Welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and the weaker vessel is not joined with me on this episode, but we have a very special guest. And so, uh, joined with me is a very uh, famous YouTuber, A.D. <laughs> AD Robles. Uh, Adam, Adam, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much for uh, for reaching out to me and scheduling this, man. Yeah, I am super grateful that you uh, sliced out some time to uh, to have a conversation with us. So if people don't know about you, do you mind just introducing yourself and then kind of letting the listeners know kind of where your ministry focus is at, maybe what yeah. you've done in the past or what led you here, anything you think would be relevant so people would know, um, yeah. know a little bit more about you? Yeah, definitely. Well, basically what I do is I make videos on YouTube and I have a podcast um, on the uh, the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, which is related to cross politic and all those kinds of folks. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but that's pretty much my, my primary thing, um, at least from a from a ministry type perspective. Um, so my YouTube content is is primarily uh, social commentary, mostly related to social justice, racism, things of that nature. Um, but I'll, I'll talk about anything like today. I, I did something about uh, a comic book, uh, but still kind of related it to uh, to social justice and, and that kind of thing. Um, I started being interested in in this topic in the Christian church anyway, because I was a pastor when I started mm -hmm. uh, of a small church in uh, in Vermont. Um, and that's kind of a, a summary of, of, of what I've what I've been doing. And right now I'm no longer a pastor. I didn't disqualify myself for anything, but uh, I just don't have a church to pastor. So yeah. I'm pretty much working and uh, and doing the YouTube thing. Nice. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about your, I guess, journey back to faith and into reformedom, yeah. I guess? I think that might be helpful for just context. Yeah, that's a great that's a great thing. Um, so I my parents are both Christians um, and I grew up uh, going to church and they taught me about the, the gospel and all that kind of stuff. I was, you know, like a normal like youth group kid kind of thing. Yep. Um, and all my all my, my I've got a brother and a sister. We all kind of were doing that kind of thing. Um, but out of all of my my siblings, I was the least interested in in spiritual matters. I was the least interested in Jesus and all that stuff. And so the the minute my parents gave me an option of what to do, I just didn't, <laughs> I went no longer went to youth group. And then I lived essentially like a pagan through college. And after college, I moved to New York City because I felt like that'd be a really cool place to live. And you can get in all kinds of trouble in New York City. All kinds of paganism. Um, that's that's <laughs> very true. Um, and so that's what I did. I mean, I, I, I took a job in a kind of a salesy type thing. And I was making a lot of money. And I was always spending you know, two steps ahead of where I was. And I lived like that for, for years. Um, and uh, the financial crisis hit. Oh yeah. And since since I was in a salesy type of a job, I depended on the economy being good in mm -hmm. order to make money. And you know, almost overnight my income took like a 50% hit, you know. And so I very quickly realized I couldn't, you know, continue doing what I was doing because I was still spending as if I was as as if I was loaded. And so I went into debt and, you know, got into all kinds of trouble. Yeah. So so what happened, how I came back to, to the Lord, how, how the Lord found me is um, I, I had gotten involved with a married woman 
And uh, it was awful. It was, it's, it was like the worst decision I ever made. And I remember thinking to myself right before a trip to visit my father in Ohio that it was really twisted that I didn't care at all uh, that I was ruining this family. I just didn't care at all. In fact, the, 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 the woman broke, up, broke it off with me and I was mad at her like she had betrayed me. <laughs> And that's super twisted. And, and, I, and I, I realized, you know, that that was a problem, that the fact that I didn't care at all about, about anything except for myself, but I didn't know what to do. And so I visited my father in, in Ohio for over Thanksgiving and uh, went to his church with him. And the, the guy, his pastor was preaching on the prodigal son and he was leaning super heavy on Tim Keller's book, The Prodigal God. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, at that point, the gospel was very real to me. It just seemed like, wow, I can understand this from a diff- a way different perspective than when I was a kid growing up at, in youth group, you yeah. know, and that's ever that's kind of what started my trajectory to, to go back to, to to those kinds of things. And obviously, I, I, I found out about Tim Keller. He was in New York. I was in New York. I kind of go. got connected with some of that stuff. And, and the rest is I I don't have a specific point where I was like okay now I'm a Christian but it just kind of happened yeah it just all kind of came alive at that moment absolutely absolutely so um you know it, it was a great great thing and and uh, haven't looked back since then that's awesome I had something similar with mine just but I, but I never would have said I walked away from the Lord that was probably the biggest yeah. difference with me it was I, I yeah. thought I was good the whole time just living two yeah. different lives and yeah. and it's funny that you say that you you were shocked that it, you didn't care. And yeah. I remember being so numb in my sin and kind of thinking the same thing. Like I have no remorse over this. Yeah. And I should be like really broken. Yeah. <laughs> and that's terrifying. And that was actually part of what God was like. Yeah. Cause I'm kind of starting to let you go. Um, yeah. And sort of that, you know, giving over aspect of God's discipline. And yeah, I always talk to people about like, when, when did, when did this happen for me? Like, you know, cause I don't believe this, but some people will be like, oh, you have to pinpoint the time when you were saved. Otherwise, how can you even know? Nah. I don't believe that. But like, but I always think about that. Like I try to, I try to reverse engineer this thing. Well, when did it happen? And I, I, I definitely felt something like, like I didn't have remorse over what I was doing, but I knew that was wrong, <laughs> you yeah. know? So something was happening yeah. at that point, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I can point to moments where, where, you know, like, that like there was levels of my eyes being opened, yeah. I guess. But to pinpoint when that started, yeah. heck, I don't know. You know, that's yeah. that's that's impossible to pinpoint. So, well, uh, part of why I thought it'd be great to uh, to get you on too is listening to your channel. This is kind of a funny anecdote before we get into some some meat of the issue. Is I was listening to your YouTube channel, which has been super beneficial. Like I said, I resonate with uh, with a lot of what you say and relate to a lot of it, and I mean, agree with like everything because it's just really helpful and biblical. But um, you mentioned about living here in Brooklyn. And I think I had heard you mention you lived in the city before in New York City. Yeah. And then you said, I think it was when there was another rumbling of Doug Wilson, you know, controversy going on. And and then you mentioned that you attended a CREC church in Brooklyn for about six months. And you're basically... Proving the point that anyone who is associated with Doug- Douglas Wilson is not trying to like one, yeah. you know, w- like one up you with their heresy and like like you know, <laughs> wolf in sheep's clothing with their heretical yeah. federal vision views or whatever. So yeah, and I was like, that's our church. We go there. 
<laughs> there's not there's not too many CREC churches in Brooklyn. <laughs> First of all, there's not too many CREC churches, period. And then and I'm like, I know for a fact there's only one here. And uh, so I hit you up and was like, you're talking about our church, huh? And, and we connected yeah. over that, which is really cool. And our pastor um, remembered you. And he, he is yeah. a great guy. Like everything you said. Yeah. And I told him, I said, hey, uh, AD said this on his YouTube chat. He's like, oh, great. I was like, no, no, no. He praised you. It was good. And um, yeah, so it was yeah. just like a such a random connection, especially when you're in yeah. uh, New York City of all. I don't want to get into the weeds too much on Federal Vision, but but it's yeah. just like I was if 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 anyone was going to if any if, if if Federal Vision people were trying to like spread their heresies secretly, yeah. I was a prime candidate like I I like I should have been the target number one. You know, yeah. I was a younger, younger guy interested in reformed theology coming out of a kind of a squishy, like charismatic church, mm-hmm. um, obviously interested in, the, in, in, in theonomy and God's law and yeah. all of these things. And, um, like I was a prime target and it just doesn't, I mean, we talked a little bit about it, but, and I, I even expressed interest. I was like, this is, this kind of sounds weird to me. Like, tell me <laughs> about it. And like, at no point was he like, and this is what you got to believe in order to be saved. It's, you know, it's your, it's your works as right. well. And you got to, you know, you got to yeah, trust no. in your works as well. <laughs> like I was a prime target and it didn't happen. Yeah. And uh, I know that the, I know that the detractors don't care about that kind of stuff, but it's just the facts. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, what you really got, which is what I've got too. And, and we've, and you've mentioned this is you got a, uh, a uh, really helpful tips on preaching and you got a yep. uh, really helpful advice on how to be a better man how to be a yep. more godly man. And yep. he's shared uh, the same stuff since I've been here. So it's like yeah. everything you said, I was like, yep, that's our pastor. And it's fantastic. Yeah. He's not uh, trying to shove the next yeah, federal vision nuance down your throat or anything. <laughs> that's... Federal vision nuance. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so, cause that's what it is, right? It's a game of nuances. It's a game of nuance. Um, so, so that was super awesome. But, you know, thinking about it, thinking about your YouTube channel and that you've been here, I just wanted to know, like, what do you see is the most obvious pitfalls the church is falling into when it comes to this social justice thing? What are the things you see most prevalent the church falling into or falling prey to? You know, Colossians 2, Paul says, you know, don't be deceived by these vain philosophies. What what would you say is number one there? And that can get us started in their conversation. It's it's hard to put a, a you know a one number one because it almost seems like there's just a million targets and it's like there's there's compromise everywhere. How can you really rank these? But yeah. but um, at the end of the day, from what I'm I've been doing a little bit of reading and thinking and stuff, and it certainly seems to me, and people have told me this all along, that this is just this is not new. This is just a repackaged version of the old liberalism, and so it's liberal theology uh, just coming back in in a different form. Um, and so you see it working its way out in, in the racism stuff. That's one of the, that's, that's one of the more heated areas where, um, where we see it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you hear talk about white supremacy and it's, and it doesn't mean that the people in the white sheets that we all hate, it means like everyday folks, like, you know, probably all the people at your church grant, they're all white yeah. supremacists because they're, because they're not anti-racist according to some strange definition of what anti-racism means, right. even though they hate racism. So like, like, you know, it's just it, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's what one big area. Egalitarianism is another one, which is just feminism. Really. Let's just be honest. Egalitarianism and, and soft complementarianism is feminism. Yep. It's just repackaged. <laughs> let's give it another shot. Um, and then of course the, the trifecta is, uh, the sexual, uh, the sexuality stuff. So, yes. Um, gay Christianity, whatever that is. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't involved in, in, in these circles at the time, but from what I understand, this is just repackaged. It's, it's, it's been attempted before and it's been attempted again. Yeah. And the thing I keep hearing more and more recently, which I think is super helpful, I heard Paul Washer had said this recently, or I heard him say it in a sermon. He, he was saying, I don't care if you say you believe in the inerrancy of scripture. What really matters is if you believe in the sufficiency of scripture. Mm-hmm. And one of the big things coming out of like Beth Moore or the gay Christian crowd that's being promulgated, even the social gospel people, they go, hey, listen, I'm an inerrantist. I believe in the inerrancy of scripture. And, and they think by saying that we, we're the same team, that right. we're, we're both on the same team. We're saying the same things then or whatever. And it's like, but you are falling short of the sufficiency of scripture. Do you see the same thing? Definitely, definitely. Um, and and one, one major example that happened recently was in the Southern Baptist Convention with this whole idea of um, critical theory being a, a very helpful analytical tool that, mm-hmm. that you can use to really um, further your work as a Christian minister when it comes to racial uh, reconciliation and things like that. And the thing is, like, you know, you, you'll get people that'll criticize uh, Christian ministers for saying that you don't need so weird social theories. You don't need sociology to figure out what racism is. Mm-hmm. You, all you need is the Bible. It's sufficient to deal with that. Um, and you'll get people that'll say that that'll say that that's that's not correct. In fact, um, you 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 do need to analyze these things through experts in these fields, whatever field it is. And so, yeah, absolutely. I think you're you're dead on there. And it doesn't matter if the text is an error or not if it's not enough. Exactly. Yeah. And and the problem is that when, as soon as you walk away from from using God's word as your means of waging war, right? Yeah. That that's as as soon as you go away from that, you're like uh, so I'm in the army and we go and we go fight wars, right? Uh, whether however you think about that or not, um, <laughs> like you know whether we should or not, I got opinions too and I've been right. there, been in Afghanistan two times. Yeah. And um but one of the things that that kind of failed for a while was like, we just need to be friends. We really need to just like make friendships with these, with the people in these countries and stuff. And, and they failed to, they failed to understand obviously the, the deep seated um, root of their religion in every aspect of their life. And anyway, you're given weapons to go fight war. You don't, as soon as you go away from that, you start losing, which is what we saw. And that's, that was all yeah. my point with that little, you know, wonderful anecdote. But De- definitely, well, yeah. if you were talking to uh, to a, a lot younger version of myself who was like one of these rabid internet libertarians, I would have something to say, but I don't <laughs> because uh, hopefully I have a little more gray in my beard and I'm a little wiser now. Nice. Um, okay. But I'll say this. I'll say this, and let's 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 keep it out of the theoretical for a second, and let's talk about something real because most of these people that push for the social justice narrative will say. No, 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 you don't understand. I believe that the scripture is inerrant and I believe that it's sufficient. And they'll say that. And so, but, but here's where it works itself out. It's, it's in the practical application. So I'll give you a great example. This is one of the videos that I did that, that actually started my YouTube, you know, I guess if you want to call it fame, it's very relatively (laughs) small amount of fame, but anyway, um, this is what it's massive. That, (laughs) (laughs) but this is one of the ones that got that first kind of went low key viral in our weird circles. Nice. It was about Matt Chandler and, and Matt Chandler was talking about a, uh, he's, he's trying to hire a pastor for one of his locations, whatever he, he, he's hired. <laughs> I know exactly I what you're talking about. It is. It's he, so ridiculous. He, he hired a staffing company to help him find yeah. a pastor. 
and I like staffing companies because that's my entire, that's how I make money. So right. uh, but, <laughs> uh, I don't have a problem with staffing companies. I think it's weird for a pastor to hire a staffing company to find another pastor. But in any event, yeah. so he said, he would say the Bible is sufficient. The Bible is inerrant. And the Bible says you shall not show partiality. And yeah. it also says what the requirements for a pastor are. Yeah. So he's telling this anecdotal story just off the cuff, you know, and he said, you know, I want a pastor, you know, with these qualifications, blah, blah, blah. And then he wants to hire a multi-ethnic pastor. What that means is black. He wants to hire a black <laughs> pastor. And and so the staffing agency asks him and they say, okay, well, let me ask you a question, Matt. They're like, if we could find a black pastor that had a qualification level of seven, and you're telling me you want to have a qualification level of eight, do you want to do you want to hire him? Like, wh- wh- how does that go? He goes, oh, absolutely. I'll take the lower qualified black guy. And so that right there is partiality. That right there is not allowed for a Christian in anything. Yeah. And furthermore, it 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 adds to the qualifications of elder, something that's inappropriate. So he will say all day long to the cows come home, it's sufficient, but he acts like it isn't. He comes up and that's a scheme that was developed in in progressivism. That's that's affirmative action. That's that's a scheme. It doesn't yeah. work and it's evil and and God doesn't allow it. And so that's what I mean. So, so you know, people will say something, but practically they're acting as if they don't believe, really believe it. And and one way to determine what you really believe is how you act. Yeah, I mean that's literally the the basis qualification in our culture. That's like the worst you can do right. is hey right. skin color. Make sure yes. you pay a lot of attention to that. Yeah, and, and he's and he's trying to say like he cares about this. It's just but it's what was funny terrible. though is he tried to temper it. With um, if if he's a six or a five though, I don't remember the exact number. Yeah. If it's a black six or a five, then I I don't want to hire him because that'll look like tokenism. Yeah. Right. Which which I was I had to laugh because it's like it doesn't matter if it is tokenism. What he what he's concerned with is what it looks like. It it looks like exactly. tokenism. He doesn't want to do that. And tokenism is something else that doesn't come from the Bible. That's comes also from social theory, uh, very suspect social theory mm-hmm. as well. And it's like, what are you doing here? And and I like Matt Chandler. I still do to this day. But what you're obviously not thinking biblically in that area. Totally agree. It's <laughs> I, I remember watching that and then and just thinking I, I just remember like a troubling in my soul when I because yeah. I think at that point I was still uh kind of a, a fan of his. You know, I yeah. I think I listened to every sermon of his for like five years straight for a I, while. I did too. And uh, yeah, and that 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 was a big help into my becoming reformed. Actually, was his preaching. Me too. Um, yeah. Mark Driscoll, you know. I'll never whole... forget where I was when I listened to that. So my, me too. I was. Go I ahead. listened. I I listened to the first like five minutes of that speech at home, okay. and I don't I don't remember where I was going, but I was I was going somewhere um, for like a work trip or something, and I was in the airport. And I got on my on my computer just to pass the time. Yeah. And my brother messages me. He goes, "Hey, did you listen to the rest of that thing?" And I go, "No, nah, man, I'm not going to do that. It's stupid. <laughs> I don't want to listen to that." And he goes, "No, no, you trust me. You have to listen to this." And so I was in this airport restaurant listening to this thing, and I'm pretty sure I was out loud going like, "What?" <laughs> and the people around me are looking at me like I'm psychotic or something. But like, but yeah, it's it was just it was. It was really, it was really a, a sad thing, and 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 let me just take this opportunity to say this to any of, of your listeners. Yeah. Um. A lot of people get the impression that I I kind of relish in in talking about this, and I kind of I, I I do enjoy it to some degree, but it 
I don't like talking about these people because these people were heroes of mine. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I have I'm with you. no ill, I have no ill will towards them. I don't recommend them as aggressively as I used to, but I still get value out of stuff that they've produced. I don't think that they're like the worst thing ever, but, and, and so it doesn't, it doesn't give me any pleasure to, 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 to tell you that Matt Chandler doesn't think biblically in this area. You yeah. know, it, it's really sad to have seen probably since that time. And that was, yeah. I remember uh, Ferguson, Missouri was a big event that started to yeah. cause these big leaders to, to start talking about, you know, racism in our nation. And then, and then the gay Christian thing comes out now. And then it really is sad that you, you really do see a divide now on the whole reformed world that has gone that way to being, you know, buying into all these Marxist ideas, the critical theory ideas, the, the gay Christian thing that, you know, the, the lusts are not wrong, just acting on it, which is a terrible doctrine. And then you got this huge divide and then it's polarizing. And that's all that's happening in our culture is we continue to see people polarize. And then you you got the Doug Wilsons who are trying to help people not be so angry at, at each other. But like, hey, yeah. if, if we can agree on on some things together, let's stick together um, because there ain't a whole lot of us. And I like seeing him and James White doing these videos together. And yes, I like seeing, um, you know, uh, Doug Wilson's daughter's. Uh, being at G3 and teaching workshops and stuff and like bat, you know, reformed Baptists and Presbyterians can work together. The, totally. um, by what standard documentary by founders and stuff like, Hey, we can disagree all day long, uh, yep. about baptism. And I hope, you know, they continue to be inconsistent, um, and, <laughs> and train up their kids in the way they should go. That's right. That's but, right. but these are becoming huge issues that we need to unite over and engaging the culture um, in a specific way is, is where it lands. And so that leads me to ask you about the theonomy, the general equity we apply over. Could you, I guess, just quickly explain what your approach is with that, um, general principle from the Westminster? I will, but I do want to say one thing about what you just said about teaming up and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I I agree. That's awesome. And I want to get into a little bit of trouble. So what I will say is that was one thing that the federal vision ideas really helped me with because I felt like when I was kind of first growing up in reformed theology that like I was going down that path of like, you know, you know, doctrine is so important and it is, mm-hmm. but like people have to be this particular brand. And if they reject some of these things that are, that are, that are definitional to this brand, then I need to just at least at the very least distance myself from them. And I, and I, and I couldn't understand how like a person like St. Augustine is viewed as a Christian given some of the things that he believed. Right. I, and I couldn't under, I couldn't connect with Augustine. I, I liked him. I liked mm-hmm. his writing, but then he would go and say something that to, from what I understood from the people I was listening to that that's heresy. Yeah. What's going on here? You know what I mean? <laughs> and that objectivity of the covenant stuff. And it's not only in federal vision. I mean, it's, it's, it's it, honestly, it's, it's just Presbyterianism. Let's just be honest. Exactly. It's, it, it's Presbyterianism. Yeah. So, um, and that I'll get in trouble. That's fine. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> But it's it, it helped me to to be able to be like okay you're in the covenant and and I should be able to agree with you on some base level things and we can team up we can be on yeah. the same team and that helped me a lot it helped me connect to the past I mean I can look at Augustine and be like okay yeah he said some weird things about X Y Z so did Luther so did all these guys mm-hmm. um, I don't have to accept that and I can still see him as a brother he's objectively in that covenant covenant God's promises applied to him in the same way they apply to me who has this 
uh, expert level modern theology that's the best ever and it'll never get any better than this. Mm-hmm. Nobody will ever look back in time and say, I believe weird things. Never happened. Nope. Yeah, this is the me. pinnacle of theology. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, well, part, yeah. Part, that was a joke, obviously. But, yeah. but anyway, so I just Lighten wanted to say that people. that was helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, and I, I remember uh, coming into reform dumb, reform beliefs, and realizing all the people that I was starting to really like. Or people I already did like, C.S. Lewis. He was yeah. Anglican. Yeah. Baby yeah. baptizer. And That's right. pretty sacramental in the way they view the Lord's Supper and stuff. Like That's right. Okay, he's Anglican. Then I really love J.I. Packer. Anglican. Right. Like it, all, and it was like on and on and on. I'm like, everyone I love is super reformed. And then yep. and then later on, all these people, like I realized the Dutch, right? I'm Dutch. The historic Dutch church is got Voss and Bavink and Abraham Kuyper yep. and all these people that are baby baptizers and post mill and well, not Voss, but um, yep. it's, and I'm like, man, there's this rich heritage that I need to be a yep. part of, but, um, yep. no, anyway, absolutely. Yeah. And, it, and it helps you when you, when you understand the, the covenant and, and how you can identify what the, who's, who's in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's an objective thing. It really does help how you view those people. Like, let's say you're a Baptist and you like all these baby baptizers. Well, what do you do with that? Yeah. You have to do something with that. Right. And 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 I think that this objectivity of the covenant stuff is very helpful in that regard. There are some ways where, I, in my opinion, it's a little confusing and problematic. But anyway, that's not what this is about. No. <laughs> um, you asked about theonomy. What was your question again? Um, just explain kind of that principle of the. The, you know, what we apply the general equity thereof, like, you know, and, I, yeah. and I'm right there with you. Um, I'm just letting you take the floor as far as explaining that. Most of our cool. listeners are probably pretty much theonomic because our, our yep. network is. Um, yep. We're big fans of Joe Boot up at the Ezra Institute. I'm not sure if you've great. read his stuff or not. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And so so we're we're there, we're there on that on a large degree. Yeah. So so the, the cool part about the Westminster Confession is that it, it does talk about God's law in this way regarding general equity, because it does allow us to have a conversation as to what that is, because sometimes it's not that easy to determine what the general equity of a given law in the Old Testament was, right? because we're so far removed from that context. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about, you know, if, if, uh, why is it like, like one example, I don't have the exact numbers, but why does somebody owe you more if they steal you steal an oxen from you, they owe you more oxen in return than if they steal a sheep from you, they owe you less sheep in return. Like th- that doesn't make any sense until you realize that an oxen, if if you're like from a if you're like a city kid, you don't understand that an oxen <laughs> is worth way more than a sheep. Yeah, you know, and it and can produce like, a lot more for you. It it can produce a lot more for you. It's yeah. more valuable, and so the punishment that God assigns for stealing or or killing an oxen is higher because it's a more valuable resource right. that you stole. Yeah. And so something like that, it takes sometimes a little conversation to figure it out how mm-hmm. to apply that to today because not everybody has oxen today, but uh, people steal all over the place, even where there is no oxen. So, mm-hmm. you know, the general equity is, is, is good because what it allows us to do is say, okay, the specificity of the law of Israel, it, it, it essentially, it expired with Israel because the nation of Israel, you know, as a body politique it says it's yeah. it's no longer here so the the law expired with them but there's principles there mm-hmm. there's 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 moral you know there's a moral foundation to those laws that are that are still they still um apply to us today that we need to determine what they are sometimes it's very easy to determine like 
if um, you murder someone, you give up your life for that. Right. Your death penalty, that's a very easy one to determine, but sometimes it's harder. And so that, that's what we're after. We're after the, the moral aspects of those civil laws. So in light of attempting to engage culture and even to execute justice in any nation, but we're in yeah. our nation, according to those general principles, we find ourselves in the social justice uh, arena now. And so, so, so what, what do people, what, what's the norm though? Is the norm that people apply the general equity thereof? (laughs) Is that what you see common? No, uh, absolutely not. And that it's, it's so, I I know that's shocking. I know, but but that's what's so, that's kind of why there's a lot of reasons I started my YouTube channel, but, but that's one reason it's just because we're talking about justice. And I'm like, I remember telling Marcus Pittman once very early on, he reached out Mm -hmm. to me and he goes, and I said to him, this is such an opportunity. Like, like so many of these kind of like squishy evangelicals are all of a sudden they're talking about justice and yeah. how that's, that's part of the kingdom of God. Like, like God has something to teach the nations regarding justice. Like this is, this is amazing. They're all wrong about it, but it, they're talking about <laughs> it. This is great because for a long time you couldn't get people to talk about it. these, these, these two things were separate. Right. Um, Separation of church no. and state. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, um, this is so no people if you talk if you if you listen to the social justice rhetoric it is rare where they reference anything regarding god's law and i think i know why because god's law is very explicit that you cannot show partiality to poor people <laughs> but <laughs> or to so rich it doesn't people. really it doesn't serve their purposes but yeah. but but no people are 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 just they're saying kind of biblical sounding ish things mm-hmm. like you should love your neighbor, which is true, but divorcing it from the context of God's law. Yeah. Um. I, so I blame I blame Mark Driscoll for this. You want to know why? I'd love to hear this. So I blame. <laughs> well, first of all, that man's influence during those whatever it was, right, uh, seven to ten years or something. He, I mean, he influenced hundreds of thousands of people our age, right? And now we're the you know, the people in the 30s trying to do this thing now. But we heard from him all the time. We don't retreat from culture. We got to engage culture. We got to mm-hmm. bring the gospel to every area, you know, all this kind of stuff, except he never applied it. And right. also he was, de- he was devoid of, of Jesus is king. Like right. everything needs to come under his lordship. So what you saw is all these people, yeah, like I don't want to retreat. Like I do want to help the homeless and help the poor and help the, you know, uh, whoever, the oppressed and stuff like that sounds awesome. Oh, and I cannot be a liberal and do that because he was preaching good doctrine. He was sure preaching, was, yeah. you know, he was preaching a solid gospel. And so you got thousands and thousands and thousands of people hopping on board, I being one of them. I totally agree with this. And then when it came to application, that wasn't that wasn't really there. Yep. So that's where the post mill thing comes from. So when you believe a post millennial eschatology where Jesus is king now and our mission is to place everything under the lordship of Jesus or to, you know, go out into the world and call everyone everywhere. So that's everyone yep. in business, everyone in Hollywood, everyone in banking, everyone in wherever you're calling everyone everywhere to repentance and to bow the knee to King Jesus. That's right. And so how you do things must fall in line with your king's statutes. Yeah. That's you just got me you just got me thinking about something that when I was younger, 
always like made me kind of poo poo Christianity. <laughs> it was just like I, I would hear people say, and and Mark Driscoll would say this kind of stuff too. It was it'd be like, well, you know, Jesus is the answer. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I understand the gospel, the basic answer that they're talking about. But so I just lost my job and um, I'm considering taking a loan for, you know, you know, a payday loan or something like, how yeah. is Jesus the answer to that? Should I do it or not? How is Jesus the answer to that? Like, I, that's just an example. That's I'm mm-hmm. not in that situation right now, but <laughs> I'm just saying, but like, I, I know like, and I, I, I had a, a pastor friend that would, was famous for this. You can see the gospel in anything you can, Okay. I'm with you, but how? Like, that's not that helpful when I have a concrete question. Yeah. And the answer that I've discovered since then is that it comes in that second part of the Great Commission, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. Christ has commanded things that apply to every area of life. And so if you're asking me, should you take, uh, you know, 40% interest rate payday loan? Yeah. Uh, my, my answer would be Christ actually speaks to that. You, you probably shouldn't put yourself in that position. Instead, maybe you should, you know, go to your pastor and ask him for help because that's what the church is for. You right, know what I mean? Exactly. You know, you're in a situation to meet those needs. You probably shouldn't, uh, in, uh put yourself under that kind of a yoke. Um, if you've got these other options that are more directly, biblical so like you know like that's just an example i didn't really think that one through too much but like (laughs) but the point is like the application that's that that's the important thing yes we should engage the culture but how and who decides how right (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) yeah exactly and and you know once once we adopted a post-millennial eschatology and once we were adopting this westminster theonomic idea and and we were of course we're coming out of you know the influence of Mark Driscoll and that that crowd where engage culture, engage culture. And so you put it all together and, you know, now we watch true crime shows and you see a guy, you know, uh, committing perjury and yeah. and then getting a lesser sentence. And I'm like, yeah. the injustice like this is it's, why yeah. aren't we talking about this? There That's is right. so much injustice rather than, you know, the, the, and which it's, doesn't mean it's not important, but there is so much more in our culture than um, yeah. than the poor and possible racism potentially that <laughs> right <laughs> that that we're that we're concerned about we have how many millions of people in prison right now just for theft yeah. right but god's law says just pay them back go work for them go work, or right pay them back don't pay the state like that's never what god requires like right okay pay the person back you stole from and pay the priests or and pay the, like that's not you won't find that right. anywhere and then no and we ruin we ruin people's lives that because of man's oh, totally. quote unquote wisdom rather than taking God's wisdom in His law. Right, and and to a lot of people, man's wisdom sounds merciful. But but there's a there's a verse in the Bible that I that I love, and it's um it's about uh, it says a uh, I think it says a wise man has regard for his beast, talking about animals, mm-hmm. and then it also says, and even the mercy of the wicked is evil or something like that, and it's like. When when you have wicked ideas, even your concept of mercy is actually worse than 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 that. So I find that so interesting, and and this is actually directly related to this social justice thing because as we said, you know, Mark Driscoll. I I haven't really researched this, but it sounds. I like your theory. I do, (laughs) Uh, but um, he's not the only one who does this. And 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 what I what I got so frustrated with watching my heroes do is start quoting all my favorite verses. And, de- mm-hmm. and it, but completely devoid of context. So people would start to 
uh, talk about that verse from Amos where it says, let justice roll down like waters. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, that's awesome. I love that verse. But then they start talking about income inequalities and welfare programs. And I'm like, but that's not it at all. Like Mm -hmm. you can't just say, let justice roll down like waters and then adopt a secular progressive view of justice that has nothing to do with the Bible and tell me that that's required. And then browbeat me for not going along with it as if I'm some kind of a racist person that hates the poor. I really hate that. And then another one that's abused like crazy is love your neighbor as yourself, because that's a favorite verse of almost everybody, including me. And um, it's a good summary of uh, the, the, the the final six commandments uh, of, of the Ten Commandments. And then but the thing is, you if you divo- if you divorce that verse from the context of the law of God, all kinds of shenanigans can happen. Mm-hmm. Like if you why shouldn't homosexuals be allowed to marry each other? You should love your neighbor as yourself. You would uh, treat them the way you would want to be treated. Right. Like, and you can get away with that as long as you're willing to just ignore everything that Christ commanded. Yeah, because when you engage culture with with that command, with love your neighbor, without without the King Jesus above it, you become yeah. a slave to the zeitgeist. Like you behave, you That's become right. a slave of the spirit of the age because you don't have a king telling you how to do that. You just go, oh, I need to love my neighbor, and so you adopt their definition of love. And their definition of justice, and that is exactly what we are seeing with far too much of the church today. I I saw something, uh, I don't remember exact details, but uh, something about, it was very similar to one of these, like, you know, gay bakers, you know, bake me this cake kind of thing. I don't know if it was exactly that situation, but it was basically about, you know, do you have the right to refuse that kind of a service or whatever? Mm -hmm. And the judge in this case was saying, like, look, your beliefs, Mr. Christian, have no place in a modern, you know, moral society. Wow. And it's like, okay, so if you just say love your neighbor as yourself, but you divorce it from King Jesus, like you said, all of a sudden you've got a love that is unrecognizable to anyone before 1995. Right. And it's like, <laughs> again, I joked earlier about this being the pinnacle of our understanding of everything, and it'll never get any better than this. You don't think for one second that tomorrow they're going to have something new that you have to go with that we couldn't have imagined today. People always bring about uh, bring up the idea about pedophilia, and they're like, well, that's just a slippery slope. Well, it's not because we already see it happening. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's already starting. Kind of yeah, right. It's already trickling in. So if you um, just have to love your neighbor as yourself, what about your pedophile neighbor? Exactly. And we actually do have to love that neighbor as ourselves. And what that means, though, is according to the love of God, not according to weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. Loving them is calling them to repentance and and serving them in that way. (laughs) Right. And 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 bringing them justice according to God's standard of justice. So I know you've spent time in New York. You're still nearby. You see what's going on. How can you uh, look at a city like this or. When you look at a city like this and you hold to a positive eschatology, right? The gospel yes. will conquer. But then you look at a city like this and and it does not look like it's winning at all. It seems like it's quite the opposite. How would you how would you talk to somebody bringing that up to you? Yeah, you know, you, you for me as a post millennial, you know, I have to just what, what if I if I've established that the Bible teaches a positive view of the future, which I, which I have, Mm -hmm. some people don't agree, but I, the way I read it, I think it's very clear. Um, 
then I walk by faith and not by sight. <laughs> you know Amen. what I mean? Yeah, that, that, sure. That's the first thing that you have to you have to do. So whether or not we're in World War Three or we're having a peace and prosperity you know decade or something, mm-hmm. to me I have to stay grounded in what the Bible says. You know what I mean? That's number one. Number two. I'm looking, I was trying to look and find um, something that I said. I, I, I had a, a, a Twitter thread about views of the city and, and views of the country because I think that a lot of oh, yeah, uh, yeah. conference speaking evangelicals really have a disdain for country folks. But um, somebody responded and said, but, you know, said something like, but cities are actually a really good representation of of man taking dominion and, and man, you know, man's ability to sort of create and, and to and to and to improve upon the land and stuff like that. And I actually agree with him. I think cities are awesome. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I think cities are, are, are Marcus Pittman talks about this every now and then about Phoenix. It's like, so this is Phoenix is a concrete example of how God working through his people mm-hmm. reverses the curse. Phoenix was a desert. Yeah. Till and the invention a, of the HVAC. <laughs> there's a gigantic city. <laughs> In the middle of a desert that has air conditioning, yeah, that has gardens, that you know, that has all kinds of amazing things, and before that, it was just barren, yeah, and that is awesome to me. That like that it that makes me feel all post millennial on the inside. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> Does, yeah. The the invention of the HVAC. Who would have known? Who would have known? And. And I think, you know, some people say, well, that's not spiritual, but I think it is like those kinds of inventions and stuff are totally uh, part of this whole thing. I think when you see the prophecies about um, man's life expectancy increasing Mm -hmm. uh, over time, um, I I don't think that 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 just means like magically we're going to have a longer life. I think that God's working through people, through his people. Um, We're going to have better health care. We're going to have better technology to do these things like like. That's all part of it. Nothing is outside of God's purview, you know? Yeah, exactly. To help our perspective on potentially negative things, my, my wife was just talking to a friend from church, and they were talking about how how terrible it is here in New York City as far as, like, kids in public schools and vaccinations, and how right now New York City is adding regulations and adding stipulations on what vaccines kids have to have Right. In order to go to their schools and a lot of conservative Jews and a lot of Muslims yeah. and then, of course, a lot of conservative Christians and then other people, too, they don't want they don't want any. And they certainly don't want to be told exactly what they want. They they can see already that that's a slippery yeah. slope. And and so some people would say, like, oh, my gosh, look how terrible it is. It's getting so tyrannical. And then at the same time, there's a lot of people pulling their kids out and homeschooling them. And we're like. Hey, yeah. cool. Thanks for your tyranny. Yeah. You know, right. so you're flipping the script. Right. So yeah, it's because like, the more the more they the yeah. more they tighten their grip on this stuff, I think the more Christians will come to their senses and start to come up with solutions that make sense. And that's a perfect one. They should be out of those schools anyway. Thanks exactly. for making an easy decision. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and now they're they're hurting because the numbers are down. Yeah. And so that hurts funding from the state or from the city and whatnot. And they're only they're shooting themselves in the foot with this stuff. Right. And it's their mindset of um, of oppression, honestly. But it's because they have not adopted the wisdom of God's law. Because, I mean, God's law, people want to say, oh, there's 600 laws. First of all, tons of them had to just do with the priesthood. Right. right? I mean, s- stop, yeah. it, stop it with all that. And. Yeah. And um and there's so much freedom. There's so much freedom 
within right. God's law. We, you know, I mean, we probably have tens of thousands of laws, honestly. That, really. That's what I was about to say. Like, like, yeah, that sounds like a good argument until you realize the stacks upon stacks of, of laws that we right. have. It's indecipherable. They contradict. You probably break 10 of them every day without even <laughs> right. breaking a sweat. By breathing. Like, right, right. So, yeah, that, I find that kind of an argument hilarious. Well, it, you know, it, I think I started to realize that when I started to see um, lawyers that were like, I'm a immigration lawyer. <laughs> Right, 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 right. right. (laughs) Like you can't even be like a general attorney. No, No, you have to specialize. There's too much. But um, anyway, you know, I digress. But those sorts of things, though, should should give us hope, though. The gospel does push forward and look at things globally, not just by one city. And to also recognize that in the Bible, this happened all the time, right? The the greatest hero to ever have lived in human history was born in a podunk town outside in a in a, you know, feeding trough for animals yet he accomplished you know he's the biggest hero ever so it's like yeah god always god always kind of works in that ways where he's going to use tyranny to actually cause you know kids to leave public schools and like drain money out of public school system in america yeah that would be amazing and uh no i think i think you're right on there good stuff anyway i mean i think we've gone long enough is there anything else you want to add to this though and just like social justice new york city and just some thoughts yeah, I I would say no. There's nothing really I'd like to add, but I I would just say that you know, there's there's chances are if you're listening to this, there's some way that this social justice controversy is affecting you, um, and it could be, you know, causing divisions in the in your church, your local church. It could be causing divisions in your friends, um, your family members, and stuff like that. And I just want you to know, number one, it's designed to do that. So just know that going in it's not that your your friend you know or your 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 church you know member friend or whatever your family member it's not that they want they don't like you or something like that mm-hmm. it's just that the beliefs that they've they've inherited they were designed to do that even without trying so that's number 1 i would also say try to commit to putting up with as much as you possibly can um commit to your your brothers and sisters in christ and they if they're even if they're you know, driving you up the wall. Like I'd always tell people like, give them as much grace as you possibly can yeah. and, and just try to bear with them as much as you possibly can. Sometimes it's impossible, but um, you know, like the Bible says, says it like this, you know, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with everybody. Yeah, um, exactly. And then yeah. honestly, just, just, I would just suggest, you know, praying a lot about this stuff, especially when you're going through certain situations um, in particular that, that are stressing you out. But Really, honestly, th- thanks for having me on the show, man. I'd, I'd be glad to talk about anything else in the future at some point if, if you're people like this and awesome. do it again. Hey, I really appreciate you coming on. It was it was a treat. All right. Well, thanks a lot, man. And, and say hi to your uh, your family and your wife for me. All right. Take it easy. God bless. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed A.D. Robles. Go subscribe to his YouTube channel. He releases great content like every single day. Some of it is freaking hilarious and really, really helpful. And, um, and it just helps you kind of stay in tune to what greater evangelicalism and the reformed world is doing in regards to a lot of this social justice stuff. So go subscribe. Um, we'll see you again next week. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the spirit. And until next time, get woke. Yeah.
Let's start with the microphone check One, two, first Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church The kind of things that few search They say that the truth hurts Well this pain is gained So let's explain the new birth First things first Can't neglect this at the start I must preface my remarks With the deadness of the heart From original sin The effects of the fall The sin of our first parents Brought death to us all Since Adam was our federal head What he did counted for us In him were all rebels and dead Yo, captured in the mind Disaster, sin and crimes In a dark state Alaska in the winter time Sour in our frames Left to ourselves We be devoured in the flames Cause we're powerless to change If you feel that way I pray that you respond happily As you see what Jesus had to say In John chapter 3